I wish that I could play the drums so I could play that oh. song. Uh, no kidding, that right? Song no right kidding. No, no <laughs> kidding. Yeah, I don't know what you've been doing, but I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been doing everything I can to encourage spring to happen, right? <laughs> this has been that week. I mean, I pulled the patio furniture out of the garage. I, I got the little raised bed all ready to go. I was ready to plant a plant just to say, it's time. Pulled I don't out. care what you think, it's time. You pulled out the tank tops, the <laughs> swimming well, no, trunks. I, I never wear those. No, that <laughs> just make people throw up. But no, uh, yeah, I've, all week long, it's anything I can. In fact, the umbrella was up. Mom's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm telling God, it's time. <laughs> it is time, it is time, it is time. It is time for spring. So good to have you with us today. Uh, whether it's here in the room or, or, or sitting at home today and joining us, uh, we appreciate the, the time that you've chosen to spend with us today. We, we are incredibly grateful for the, the way you've continued con consistently in your giving in all the different methods that are available right now, whether online, text, or box at the back door, whatever you've been doing. Uh, it's been faithful, and it's been, and it's been wonderful, so we appreciate that. You got your uh, weekend update yesterday, and let me, let me just tell you something about the weekend update. Generally, I'm the one that put it, puts it together, and you can almost always count on a typo. It's just, it's just the deal. It's my spiritual gift. I think that's the I've, thing, though. Like, it can become the Where's Waldo of the really, week. Right. Like, where's what, the typo? What we will not do is, like, hand out five bucks for typos because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be homeless in no time <laughs> flat. But uh, So on this particular one, you notice that if you decided to read Psalm 123, it felt really familiar. <laughs> because we did that last week. This week we're doing Psalm 124, but fortunately the link, all the links took you to the right place. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's some other good stuff going on there. What do you got? Yeah, uh, we've got an opportunity to act at Quest. We're still taking those, uh, those registrations, those signups, and I've been trying to encourage different people in different ways, and this is a really, really great way to practice sharing the gospel. If you have struggled sharing it with family, if you've struggled sharing it at work, you have a, you're going to have a, a huge group of kindergartners to fifth graders, young, impressionable, eager minds, ready and willing and wanting to hear the good news of Jesus. So it's a great time to practice. So even if you're not involved in the acting every single day, um, you can come and be a part of, of something really great at Quest. And there are also all kinds of other different roles. I know we talked that um, small group leaders, small group leader roles That's are really, opening up, is, and you know, you, you hate to say it's the most important role at camp because they're all the most important role at yeah. camp. The small group leader may be the most essential role at camp. If you don't have somebody walking with the kids all day long and, and speaking into their life that way, uh, we have wandering kids and, and lots of problems. So, yeah. But what we love is throughout the years. Uh, there are a lot of guys that have chosen to take the week off work mm -hmm. to come lead a group of, of kids together. And those relationships last a long they time. Do. They, they go do. beyond just that week. And it's really cool to see how the men different mentorships have developed out of that, different relationships, different family relationships uh, have developed out of that. So again, just so something to consider. Talking about it at the beginning of March so that you can, whether it's taking vacation time or at least rearranging the schedule yeah. so that you can be a part of that. It's a, boy, it's an essential just an essential role. Yeah. So two things that are really, really fun. You walked in today and you, you smelled that the room had a nice smell to it. So yeah. you saw coffee was back. That was great. And there's going to be another fun smell going on here really soon when you pull out March Madness. So yes. Tell us uh, about that. I am super stoked about this. I, for one, 
man, my Illini are doing really well. They're going to get a one seed. I can feel it. So I'm just all in this March Madness spirit. So why not do March Madness? Uh, March 21st, Sunday night, and March 24th is the Wednesday night. We're going to do March Mad Mess for both groups, and it's going to be a tournament-style, messy game night. And we're going to have different games for, we'll have some games that are the same both nights, but ultimately they'll have different stuff going on, all different kinds of messes. And even if you don't like messes, it's going to be really fun to watch people getting messy. So uh, whether you're in high school or junior high, set those two dates aside, invite your friends, bring them out. We want them here so that we can show them uh, just how... You should, you should try eating jello through a mask. Okay. That'd be, that'd be kinda, <laughs> smashing it through the mask, that'd be fun. Yeah, but that'd we, we want to get back to, back to some outreach and really bringing people know, in. I'm so weird. So I smashing, just, hey. yeah, have, have your friends bring their masks so we can smash jello through them. There, there we go. So that, that's going to that's gonna be a really, really fun night. Yeah. So, so yeah. you're gone next weekend. You've got a, a friend's wedding. Yes. Right? Yeah. So... You're almost to the point that all your friends are married, right? I mean, for a while there was like every weekend you had a wedding. So so you're gone for a wedding, and so I thought we would uh, go ahead and make you pay the price of being gone by doing a quiz this morning. We're going to quiz you on where we've been in this series. So we've been talking about what is normal, uh, a lot of talk about going back to normal, but we want to make sure that what we're going, you know, just because we're going back doesn't mean it was normal. Mm -hmm. It, it might have been something that was completely abnormal, but we were just doing it. We want to talk about what is normal for a Christ follower. What is normal for a person who follows after God? Can I choose a phone a friend? Uh, you can. You can. So you can phone a friend. You Who's can... feeling really good about this, <laughs> this series? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, so no I'm going to ask you questions about this series, and we're going to see how you do, all right? So for normal, we've been looking at a section of the Psalms in order to find out what normal looks like. What's that section called? This one I know. It's the Psalms of Ascents. Psalms of Ascents, which sounds totally wrong. Both words are plural. It's multiple psalms, but it's also multiple ascents. They didn't just ascend mm-hmm. Mount Zion one time to go to the temple. They ascended multiple times. So it's Psalms yeah. of Ascents, 15 of them in all. Do you know the chapter markings from where to where? I do. Because I've been reading them. Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. Right. Psalm Even though it one... sounds like 14, it's 15. Right. Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. That's the section of Scripture put together. And it's by different writers. We notice like today, the one we're reading today is by David. But different writers wrote these psalms that are used. And they're used for a number of annual journeys that the Israelites would take to Jerusalem. Do you remember how many journeys? <clears throat> Three. 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 Is that your final answer? Phone a friend? Anybody? Is it three? I think it's three. It's three. I'm, it I'm is, going with it. It is Lock three. It, in. it, it in. is three. three annual journey. Do you okay. know what they were? Yes. And uh, one is Passover. Mm-hmm. Which is in the spring. Mm-hmm. Pentecost. Which is early summer. And then the one with many names. Yeah. <laughs> Harvest or tabernacles or booths, all the same idea. It was so uh, Pentecost is first fruits, the last one is your harvest at the end of the season. Nothing like teaching all week and then coming here on Sunday morning and getting a quiz in front getting, of everybody. Getting a little, as they call it, QPC. We're doing yeah. okay though. We're doing okay. So they would use these psalms in a particular way. Uh, can you, can you, you don't have to come up with the exact wording, but describe how were these psalms incorporated in the life of the people? 
Well, as they were on their way to Jerusalem, they'd be singing them. And as I kind of think, like, it's a long, I mean, some of those journeys are long, yeah. hot, miserable. So I think they're probably singing them to make the time go faster and, and keep everybody kind of together on the same page and worshiping as they're heading off to these religious celebrations. Years ago, we got to go to Israel. We were there in April. And even in April, it's pretty hot, which would be the time of Passover. So it's pretty hot as you're traveling along the way. Yeah, they were, they were singing them in community, which I, I kind of laugh when I think about it. Can, can you imagine just grabbing a bunch of your neighbors and saying, hey, let's go, let's go to Jerusalem and, you know, and, and let's sing songs. What, what song do you have? I know, let's sing Psalm 120. I mean, you know, so here they are. They're singing these along the way. And, and all of them are answering a question. Take all these psalms. What's the question these psalms are answering? This is the series title, right? Yeah, yeah. I, what is normal? This is normal. Is this normal? is what normal looks like for us. This is, so if you're, if you're a normal, devoted Christ follower, this is what life looks like. So we're not going to review everything every week because you're looking at 15 psalms all, all, all together. But every once in a while, we're going to come back and review them so you can see how the pieces of the puzzle are starting to pull together. So Psalm 120 told us about dissonance. You know, that whole complaining about, I'm doomed to live in Meshach. Here's a guy who's saying, everything I value, the world doesn't value. Yeah. That is normal for a Christ follower. It is normal to look around and say, what in the world's going on here? Nothing here is right. And in fact, abnormal is to say, everything's perfect. It's just right. I, I, my values match. Everything matches. They'll never match because the world is never on the same page as God. So there's dissonance. The dissonance then causes us to say, I need help. And so we turn in Psalm 121 to reliance. It talked about the mountains where we might look for help, the mountains where the idols were. And he says, no, my help comes from the Lord. So I'm relying on God to help me in the dissonance. Having said that, I'm going to need reorientation every week. I need to come together with the people of God because I've been on the merry-go-round all week long and I have been spinning and spinning and I'm getting off and I'm dizzy and I need to find true north again. I need to find the north star. I need, I need a reorientation. I need a reset. But then I have to leave this place and go throughout the week and how in the world am I going to keep from getting dizzy all the time? Well, I keep my eyes upward always looking upward. I'm always looking to God. I'm not looking at the junk around me. And even when I'm looking at the junk around me, I'm looking at it through God's eyes. I'm seeing life through God instead of seeing it the way I, the way I do. So It's kind of cool to see the, the shape that this is taking because yeah. it really does go out and up and out. I mean, today mm -hmm. I would assume that since we're already looking up and staring straight up, today it feels like we're going we're gonna to jump or something. I don't know. So here's, here's kind of what the fun of the day. Psalm 124. I'm going to let you label it. I'm going to have you read the passage, That's and then dangerous. I'm going to have you give us today's title, okay? So go ahead and read Psalm 124 from the English Standard Bible, and give us a sense of what you think this psalm is telling us. For the record, I did not sit in on first service, so I do not know what the plan is here. You don't know the answer, no. but you know what your answer will probably be. So Excellent. Yeah. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when the people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive with their anger, or when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. 
We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Just having read that version, is there a word or a theme that you see start to emerge? I mean, I see escape, but I'm thinking help, too. Help. Escape and help. Help. There's trouble, and I need to get out of the trouble. Mm -hmm. So hear it it from uh, Eugene Peterson's perspective. If God hadn't gone before us, all together now, Israel, sing out. If God hadn't been for us when everyone went against us, we would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger, swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in a torrent. We would have lost our lives in the wild, raging water. Oh, blessed be God. He didn't go off and leave us. He didn't abandon us, defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. We've flown free from their fangs, free from their traps, free as a bird. Their grip is broken. We're free as a bird in flight. God's name, God's strong name is our help, the same God who made heaven and earth. You going to stick with your answer, or does anything grow out of that? I, I am, and I'm, I'm liking the jump. Uh, the, 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 you know, like, again, we've got all this junk going on around us, and now, I mean, we're already looking up, so we might as well jump up and try and grab the help, right? He's awesome. reaching down. and I like that. A lot of energy. Good. You must have had coffee. Awesome. I did. Very a lot good. of it. Any, anything, anything you might want to add? Maybe a word that, what do you think? What do you hear there? Rescue. Yeah. Anything else? Freedom. So it's interesting. Somebody in the first service said freedom too. It's, it's funny that that one plays. Well, I cheated a little bit. I didn't go with a word. I called it if then but. If then but. And you'll see why we called it if then but in just a moment. So you, you, you start this passage out and he says the same line two times. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. So he starts with this statement that if not for God... Something would have happened, or something wouldn't have happened, if not for God. This psalm is by David, and um, I love this piece of the way that the psalms are created. As I'm reading about this psalm, I'm looking at different commentators. They're all trying to guess what event prompted David to write this. So they're coming up with all these different events in the life of Israel that might have prompted this particular psalm being written. But as you look at the Psalms in the Bible, here's what you start to realize. Very often, no detail is given as to what event prompted the Psalm. It does from time to time. Psalm 136, I believe, goes through the the history of Israel, where they're praising God for the way he delivered them and brought them through. But for the most part, you don't see a specific event or a specific problem or a specific issue raised. Even when it comes to the, the Psalms of Confession, like Psalm 51, David doesn't reference specifically his adultery. He just talks about the need for forgiveness. This is part of the creative, beautiful, inspired genius of the Holy Spirit. Because as you read this psalm, and as I read this psalm, here's what he's saying. Insert your problem here. Insert your sin here. Insert what's going on in your life here. If he'd have said, for example, if the Lord had not been on our side when we went to war, you'd go, well, I've not been to war. I'm going to Psalm 126. You know, you're going to turn the page. Or if you read the psalm and say, uh, forgive me, God, for the adultery I committed. Well, I didn't commit adultery. Turn the page. By not putting a specific in there, he's saying, I want you to use this in your prayer life. 
and you insert your problem, your struggle, your issue, whatever it is that threatens to swallow you up, pray this prayer. So there's a creative, beautiful genius going on there. Now, you see those two lines, and right in the middle, it says, let Israel now sing. Or it says, come on, sing, Israel. Uh, here's my take on this. This is not a commentary. This is Dennis, you know, thinking as he puts his patio out, some patio furniture out. So he's walking along, and he, he or she has the privilege of, of leading this group in singing. And, and they, if the Lord had not been on our side, come on. Come on, let's sing together. If the Lord had not been on our side. We've now had four psalms to get the choir warmed up. And now he's saying, come on, we're going we're gonna to sing this together. We're going to sing this out. We're owning this. This isn't just my story. This is Israel's story. This is, this is Southfield's story. This is us singing this together, us moving along the way together. If the Lord had not been on our side. Now, it's interesting, you come to that last three words, on our side. If the Lord had not been on our side. In Hebrew, that is literally translated for us. If the Lord had not been for us. Been singing this beautiful song, the blessing. You know, come out of this, this whole plague season, the blessing. And one of the lines that they repeat again and again and again is, he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And you know, there are some that have looked at that song and analyzed it and kind of gone, wow, that feels kind of self-centered. Shouldn't we be more God-centered? Should it really be about us? Should it really be about God being for us? Well, guess what? David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, God is for you. God is for us. God is on our side. I think this is an important thing to hear because a lot of people growing up think of God as a cosmic meanie. And he's just looking down. He's got lightning bolts in his hand and he's saying, who am I going to whip today? Who am I going to take out of the game today? And David's trying to turn the perspective to say, this is a God who is on our side. This is a God who wants to fulfill all of his holy will, and he wants to fulfill it through you and through me. He is for us. He is with us. Let's say it together. He is for us. He is with us. We come over to Romans chapter 8. We hear the same theme from David or from Paul, don't we? What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We have all the power we need when God is on our side. So you look at this passage, and it's in the structure that I actually got the title for today and the theme for the today. Because as you start to look at the structure, you see a little bit of repetition, right? If the Lord had not been on our side, if the Lord had not been on our side, then, then, then. Classic conditional clause. If this had not happened, then this would have happened. If God had left us alone, then this is what would have come and happened in our lives. So he's taking this perspective. He's starting out not by saying God was on our side and so this is what happened, but he's saying if God had not been there, if we had been alone in this, this is what would have happened to us. What would have happened to us? Well, he suggests four tremendous threats. Four powerful threats in the life of any human being or in the life of a group of people. He says, if the Lord had not been with us, we would have been swallowed alive when their anger kindled against us. We would have been swallowed alive. So I'm reading different commentators on this, and there are two perspectives. 
One, some people take the perspective that this is, this is a huge beast that has the ability to come and just big gulp you, and you're gone. You're, you're swallowed alive by a beast. Now, the, you think about at least animals on earth, the ones that walk the land. I can't think of an animal that could walk up and, and in one bite, boom, take you on into its stomach. Uh, they could take you by chunks. You know, a lion could probably get you in five gulps, something to that order. But, but for the most part, there are not many animals that are coming just swallow you and you're gone. Now, we know Jonah. Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. One gulp, gone. What David probably has in mind is not an animal coming to consume you, but what happened in Exodus when the earth opened and the earth swallowed the people who were disobedient. That, that an earthquake came, powerful earthquake came, opened and people fell in and were gone. The earth swallowed them whole. Whichever you choose is not really relevant whether it is a, an animal massive enough to eat you in a gulp or the earth opening to swallow you up, the image here is tremendous power. Something with the power to completely consume you. Have you had a problem in life that had the power to completely consume you? Have you had an issue in life that you thought, one gulp, I'm gone. One gulp, it's over. That's the picture David is giving us today. That if God had not been on our, my side, if God had not been on our side, one gulp, I would have been gone. Then he says, if God had not been on our side, the floods would have swept us away. The torrents would have overcome us. The raging waters would have swept us out. Again, another picture of tremendous power. I don't know if you've had the chance to witness the tremendous power of water. My life has been about the power of water. Grew up not too far from Niagara Falls. One of our elementary school uh, field trips every year was a trip to the Niagara Power Vista. This is, a, this is a power plant that's located on the lower Niagara River with huge turbines that are turned by the water of the Niagara River to make electricity for, if I remember correctly, like 14 states it could feed power. It's tremendous power. They take the water from the upper Niagara River, not too far from where I lived, and they would draw it in there and take it on over to a reservoir, a reservoir where in the winter my family would actually toboggan down the side of the hill, and then they'd take that water and it would come on over to the power plant and make those turbines turn and give power to the entire region. The power of water, the power of the water going over Niagara Falls and just hearing that crashing, smashing, splashing, the waves at the bottom. I mean, it's just a tremendous amount of power. We lived in uh, St. Louis in 1993 during that great flood of the Mississippi River where all the, all the rain that had fallen up north came down to us. I believe the Mississippi rose to 49 feet at that time. Now, the Mississippi itself did not impact our house or our neighborhood. It was the Mississippi's tributaries that had trouble. By tributaries, I mean the Missouri River and the Merrimack River, not many rivers in and of themselves. But these rivers got backed up. They got backed up to the point that there was a road I had to take to work that I could get to work in five minutes. And in order to get to work, I had to go all the way around that road. It took 35 minutes with all the roadblocks to get to work. So when the water finally went down on Merrimack Bottom Road, what we saw was where the water had been over 10 feet above that road, and every leaf below that line had rotted out and died. 
So you could see the line where the water had been. But here's the fun part. You're driving along. You had to dodge the refrigerators, dishwashers, washers and dryers, and all of the appliances that had been swept by the water into the road. They were all over the place. One of my favorite things was taking Brian, this little kid, three years old. We head on out, three, four, four years old. We head on out to Lime Ferry Road, which is a highway. And we're standing in the middle of the highway, and the water's flowing over it, throwing rocks into the highway. And I'm like, someday you're going to be driving here, and you're going to realize that we stood right here and threw rocks into a raging river. The power of water is tremendous. Have you ever felt like the problem you're facing is going to sweep you away? It has such power that it's just it's going to sweep you away. Well, then he goes to some other pictures. He goes to the picture of being prey in the teeth of an animal. That animal coming, and this isn't the animal that big gulps you, no. This is the one that takes a chunk at a time. This is the animal that bites and and, and tries to take you out. I, I love the way God sometimes gives sermon illustrations that I don't expect, and, and it's just kind of, wow, that was fun. So this week, I'm walking my typical path on Inam Canal, and I've walked this thing for years, okay? Walking along, and I get about halfway between where I start and where I end. I'm about halfway down, and, and I'm, I'm just, the birds are singing, and it's so pretty, and oh, it's so nice. And all of a sudden, from, from down the hill, I hear, and I'm like, what in the world? And I'm looking. I mean, I'm sure it's a coyote. I'm hoping he's fighting something and not going, he looks tasty. And I, I'm, so I'm, I'm looking for sticks. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I don't want to be bit by a coyote. This is not where I want to go, okay? Like, prey in the teeth of an animal. Has the problem ever been so intense that you can feel the problem just going, trying to take you out. Or like a bird in the snare of a fowler. So it was years ago now, we were, I was fishing in one of the um, subdivision ponds in our neighborhood. And uh, it was fairly new at that time still. And they had laid new grass and they used the, the sheets of straw that are interwoven with the, the plastic to hold the straw down. And I'm walking along and I can see a little robin trapped got his foot trapped in one of these pieces of, of, of plastic. And so I walk over, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help this poor bird out. I pick up the bird, and I've got some nail clippers because I'm fishing, so I'm, I'm, I'm clipping away at the plastic, and I'm not kidding. All of a sudden, the bird just does this. It shudders, and it dies in my hand. It just croaked. And I, 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 I'm like, do you give the little bird mouth to mouth, do you? Boop, 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 boop. I'm trying to do a good thing. And the poor bird is like History Channel. So had a little bird funeral and, and all. And it, it was, this bird felt so vulnerable in the hands of this monster. It would rather have been trapped and just fluttered forever than be held in my hands. The vulnerability of that animal, this bird. I don't know if you've ever seen an animal trap, but all they want is to get out. You ever been trapped? by the problems in your life, trapped by the situation, all you wanted was to get out. You just wanted to escape, and, and here comes that big guy with the nail clippers. Oh, no. Both of these pictures, or all four of these pictures, give us two different kinds of idea in mind. The first two are pictures of power. 
when power looks to consume you. When it's just, it's bigger than you can imagine. It's bigger than you can handle. There's nothing you can do. The flood is going to take you. The earth is going to swallow you. There's nothing you can do. The other two, though, aren't pictures of power. They're pictures of vulnerability. They're pictures of my, my leg is in the animal's mouth. What am I going to do? Or, or I'm in the trap. And, and, and if somebody doesn't let me out, it's over. I'm in big trouble. Pictures of power and pictures of vulnerability. And in both of these, David is saying, if the Lord had not been on our side, the situation was so powerful it would have overtaken us. And we were so vulnerable, we would have been consumed. But, but... But the Lord was on our side. The Lord was on our side. We were not alone in this. He ends by saying, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So there are a lot of names he could have chosen for God. He could have said, the Lord is my shepherd. He could have said, the Lord is my friend. He could have said, the Lord is my helper. He could have said all kinds of things. When he talks about the power of the name of the Lord, why does he choose the creator of heaven and earth? Because he wants to convey to us a couple of things. God is in control of everything. And God has power over everything. This isn't a God that just sits back and goes, man, you're stuck. Wish I could help. This is a God who says, I've got this. I will fulfill all of my holy will. Nothing will stop me. Nothing will stop me. You have the maker of heaven and earth saying, I am for you. I am for you in this. It reminds me of all that Paul said in Romans chapter 8. What do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He says he didn't spare his own son from death, so wouldn't he continue? I mean, he saved you. Wouldn't he continue to care for you, care to help you with his gracious giving? He says, who can bring charges against God's elect? It's God who justifies. It is God who condemns. Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. He's seated at the right hand of God. It says he's interceding for you. Jesus prays for you. Have you ever thought of that? You're on Jesus' prayer list. He prays for you. He intercedes for you. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword catch us? Are they going to separate us from the love of Christ? And then he throws in this verse from Psalms that you go, Paul, what are you thinking? It's just kind of weird. You know, he's, he's talking about this victorious life and, and the power of God's love. And then he says, for your sakes, we, we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to the slaughter. What It feels random. It feels out there. Why this verse here? Here's what he's saying. saying Paul, Paul's saying, don't misread me. I'm not saying just because God has tremendous power that you won't have problems. I'm not saying you won't have problems. What I am saying, I am going to fulfill all of my holy will. I will continue to love you no matter what. And nothing will separate you from the love of God. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation, earthquakes, floods, animals, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Nothing at all. So that problem that seems too huge, nothing can separate you from the love of God. If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is nobody and nothing in all of creation can be against us if God is for us. So what is normal? If, then, but is normal. If, then, but. See, as a, as a Christ follower, as you're spending your time in reorientation, as you're looking upward, and as you're examining your life, you start to recognize that there are times in your life that you could say, if God had not been on my side, this would have happened to me. And it would have been a disaster. But God, the creator of heaven and earth, is on my side. And this is what happened instead. And we start to recognize the power of God working personally in our lives. And we start to realize that God is not in heaven just looking to destroy us and take us out. But he's actually for us. And he's seeing us through the storms and the battles and the things that we lay awake at night thinking, this is going to consume me. And God says, I am there. I'm there. I'm with you. I'm for you. If, then, but. And so the question comes, what's your if, then, but story? I, you might have one, two, or ten from this past year alone. How many times this past year have you said, if not for God, I don't know how I would have made it through this year. I can't imagine how non-believers are making it through this year. You know, sometimes people say, I don't understand why my friend is so afraid of dying. Uh, if you're not a believer, do you not have good reason to be afraid of dying? You have very good reason to be afraid of dying. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you know Jesus, here's the deal on death. It's an upgrade. It's all better, right? It, it gets way better than this. But if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you have every reason to fear. Every reason. What's your if-then-but story? And then beyond that, the normal Christ follower not only is able to identify those if-then-but themes in their life, but they share it. They share it. Do you share your story? I had this privilege uh, about two weeks ago where y'all are sitting in that back corner at a circle of chairs. And I was meeting with a group of people who are trying to build a church in, in Morris. Trying to church, build a church building in Morris. And they are, they're in the process right about where we were in 2012. And if you know where we were in 2012, I personally describe it as the valley of the shadow of death. It was a difficult, difficult time. It was a difficult season. We're, we're the church that had the tremendous wisdom to move out and sell our old building in September of 2008. Do you all remember September 2008? Earthquake. Earth opened. Everybody was being swallowed alive by a financial disaster. And here we are saying, let's go do this thing. Let's see how this works. And for seven years, we wondered how it was going to turn out. And you know, it was so great to be able to sit with these people and say, that valley of shadow of death, man, I've been there. And if God had not been on our side, we'd be gone. But God was on our side. And we were on God's side. And God's eyes were looking throughout the earth 
for those whose hearts were fully committed to him. And he answered. It is so wonderful to be able to share the if-then-but stories of your life. You know, some of us, we, we get concerned about, how do, I, how do I share the gospel with somebody? I'm not a theologian. I don't, I don't know all the points. I don't know all the verses. You can share your if-then-but. You can share your without God, this is what would have happened, but God was there. And this is what happened instead. It is normal to know and to share your if-then-but story. That's a norm for the Christ follower. So this week, start to identify them. Because you have more than one. What are the if-then-but moments of your life? Moments that if God had not been there, you would have been destroyed. But God was there. And he brought you through. Or... Maybe you're still in the middle, but hasn't happened yet. You still feel like uh, consumption is a possibility. And to have the hope of knowing, my help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he's going to see me through. He's going to see me through because nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God. His holy will will be accomplished. Father God, we are grateful for this psalm. We're grateful for the words of David, for him to acknowledge that without you, man, it would have been a disaster. But because of you, your holy will was accomplished. Help us to lean in this week to our if-then-but stories, not only for our own personal encouragement, but to be able to share them and share them freely, to let others know the way the Creator God came to our side and was by our side and is for us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to head to communion and celebrate these if-then-but moments in our lives. We have trays all over the room. There, there are two uh, tables at the front. There's a table back here. There are a couple tables back here, which well, as we're watching patterns, what we're realizing is people really like this table and they don't seem to go to that table as much. So if you want to, we're trying to just remain spread out, go to different places, Go ahead and get communion. Bread and cup are together, so the bread is underneath. It's kind of a double cup situation. And we also have gluten-free on either side table as well as uh, side stage as well as the table at the back. And while we go, we're going to be listening to a paraphrase of Psalm 33. Psalm 33 that talks about waters overtaking us. And it's written from the perspective of God speaking to us as his children. So, so listen to these words. Receive the words of Scripture. And then we're going to come back and we're going to sing two if-then-but songs. These are songs that just declare it with all the might in the world that if not for God, I would have been dead. But God is there. And because of that, I live. Let's go to communion. failed me yet and I never will forget you've never failed me yet and I never will forget I'm ready to just say Stay, sit down, gun reloaded, sermon number two. I mean, oh my word. So you listen to both those songs and here's what you catch. For some of you, you have experienced the if and the then, but the but isn't there yet. 
You're still waiting for the answer. And both of these songs make clear why we need the if-then-but stories. Because he has been there in the past. Because he has come through in the past. And if I've seen him do it before, I know he'll do it again. I have that confidence. I know he'll do it again. We need those if-then-but stories. Both of these songs just, oh man, they screamed in my heart. But that, you know, that first one in particular, it's interesting that um, more than any song we've done recently, I've had people ask me, what do you think that song means? What do you think, what do you think's going on there? And just like the psalm we talked about today that leaves the details of the problem out, I think when a song is written beautifully and in an artistic way, inspired by the Spirit, it leaves an opening for you to insert your need to break here. What is it that needs to break that only God can break? You've been praying for that lost spouse forever. Only God can change that heart. You've been praying for that for that son, daughter, relative to have cancer removed from their body. Only God can do that. You've been praying for a breakthrough in your family because your family is nothing but broken. Only God can do that. Or maybe, just maybe, the whole song is, you need to break. I need to break. Whatever it is, whatever it is, if God is on our side, and the psalm tells us he is, he will accomplish all his holy will. It will be accomplished. We do not have to worry about that. And so you can walk out of this place today in the confidence of your if-then-but story because it's from God. It's from God. He rescued you. And he will rescue you again. Now go enjoy the week and have fun with it because next week we change the time. And as much as I love the fall, I hate springtime change. That thing messes me up for about two weeks. So... Get extra sleep this week. You're going to need it, and we'll see you next Sunday. Enjoy the week.